I am Sumit Gupta and this is Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams at work and life. This is a podcast for people who know deep inside that there is more. Have you achieved a great deal of success, but on the inside you still feel empty and like an imposter? Do other people see you as a strong leader? And you wonder why it still feels so lonely and suffocating. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. I dare to speak to the tremendous power which you already have rather than what you believe are your strengths and limitations. This podcast is called Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. And this is the Leadership Journey series. I am interviewing leaders with an interesting story to learn how they got where they are today. We all have a lot to learn from each other's stories of where we started, where we are now, and our successes and struggles on the way. With this series of interviews, my attempt is to give leaders an opportunity to share their stories and for all of us to learn from their generous sharing. Nina founded Social Initiative Pink Week for Breast Cancer Awareness in 2013 at only the age of 16. Her campaign has since raised over half a million US dollar, including $48,000 in the first hour. And as a result of that, she was named a Future 100 by Barclays. She is currently leading Social Impact, CSR and Give Back for Lemonade, which is an insurance company driven by social good. In the interview, Ina shares how losing her mother inspired her to start Pink Week. She opens up and talks about how bad things hurt her heart and how knowing that has shaped her career. She also talks about the importance of working in a company where you feel comfortable expressing your voice, which I think is one of the main tasks of any leader in any organization. Welcome, Nina, to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. It's my pleasure to have you. Can you begin with sharing a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Yeah, of course. So my name is Nina. I'm based out of Tel Aviv and I lead Social Impact for Lemonade, which is a B Corp, a public benefit corporation. But more than that, it's also an insurance company. But because of how we've structured our product, it means that we have purpose really built into what we do. We have our main purpose-driven and kind of impact program, which is our give back, which happens once a year. That's when we donate up to 40% of unclaimed premiums at the end of the year to causes that our policyholders choose. Aside from that, we're also throughout the year just continually focused on making sure that Lemonade is the most ethical and best product that it can be for our policyholders. Thank you. And, and I'm quite curious to know how these two things tie together with you know, social impact and insurance. And I think normally when people look at insurance, it, uh, there's a lot of thoughts which, uh, which come to our mind. So I'm quite curious. But before that, like before that, I want to hear your backstory and how you got where you are today. And uh, if, if for our listeners, can you share one or two events from your life which has shaped you into the person and the leader who you are? Yeah, of course. When I was 16, I founded a nonprofit. It's called Pink Week. It was later incorporated into a much larger charitable organization called Breast Cancer Now. And basically what Pink Week did was raise awareness of breast cancer amongst younger generations. So my peers, 
which is an age group that's so often overlooked because we're not seen as traditional donors and therefore we're not really charities target market. But I tried to flip that on its head and say, let's put the donation element aside. We can still benefit from micro donations, but let's really push forward awareness. So it began when I was 16 and then it began, it, it spread. I brought it to university with me, Cambridge, a university of Cambridge in the UK. Um, and it spread to different campuses and it just really started to pick up. And it just seemed that people really engaged with the idea of giving back also as a millennial and not, you know, just as somebody who has decided to donate part of their salary as they've got older or part of a more established career. But actually, as a younger person, being able to make a dent really resonated with people. Yeah, that's uh, that's very unique because I, at 16, I, I'm sure a lot of people have other things on their mind. I'm intrigued. Uh, and can you share what inspired you to do this? Yeah, of course. So I was really inspired by my mother. She passed away when I was younger. She had breast cancer for around three years and she was a huge advocate for the awareness movement. She campaigned, she raised nearly a hundred thousand pounds for a specific type of machinery at the hospital that she was treated. And she wrote and was very vocal about what she was going through for the Guardian, which is a super um, well-known newspaper circulating throughout the UK and the US. So she really showed me what it was to stand up for a cause. And that inspired me to then see if I could mirror that um, passion and that breast cancer awareness movement and bring it down to my generation. Because the way I think about it and I continue to think about it is that if I, as somebody who grew up in a household where breast cancer was spoken about so open, still need to remember to check myself every single month, then how much more so my peers or people I went to school with, especially at an all-girls school, we were never really spoken to about breast cancer. People really need to remember that the earlier that you catch it, the higher rate of survival. And therefore, it was really important for me to just say, why don't we just bring that awareness level a few years earlier? Why do we have to wait until we reach an age where we're perhaps vulnerable to breast cancer? And why can't we like look at preemptive awareness? Thank you. Thank you for sharing that very personal story. I, I lost my mom to cancer as well, so I can, I can totally relate to how that can lead you to, to start something on your own. Definitely. So I'm curious to know how that has shaped you as, as a person and how has this journey been since you started being weak? So I think it shaped me as a person and that kind of goes without saying, I, not necessarily something I wanted to happen in my life in order to shape me, but it did happen. And I think the main thing that it instilled in me is that I really hate seeing bad things happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. It really hurts my heart. And I think that's very much why I ended up in the position and the sector that I'm in in the nonprofit sector, because I just feel like a real connection with giving back and facilitating other people to be able to give back as well. Yeah. Thank you. What What is it that you're passionate about and that keeps you up at night these days? Definitely lemonade. It keeps me up at night. It's not something I ever imagined being passionate about. And I never, if you told me four or five years ago that I would be working at an insurance company that was perhaps more impactful than every nonprofit that I've worked for, I would, I wouldn't necessarily believe you, but lemonade really seeks to make sure that our mission is the force for public good. And that was totally inspiring to me and really blew me away when I connected with the organization. So 
that really keeps me passionate to see that a for-profit is able to be as good and as ethical as a non-profit. The evidence of how genuine this is lies in the fact that the give back really existed from the beginning of the product. It wasn't an afterthought and it wasn't implemented as we became more successful, but it's really legally we're committed to this as our double bottom line. So for me, that is just something that I'm constantly thinking about. How can we evolve this impactful mission? How can we make sure that we're getting that message out there for other for-profits to perhaps emulate that or copy that uh, mission as well and ensure that their product also has a social good element? Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I, I just went through the Lemonade website before this interview. Uh, so I would advise uh, everybody who is listening to actually go and check it out. And it's quite unique. And and also, for you, as you share in, in your journey, how do you see the role of business in uh, creating a better future for all of us? And uh, is that only the responsibility of the nonprofit sector? Uh, and how, what can businesses learn and how can they adapt, uh, especially with uh, global challenges like climate change? Yeah, I think that question is in two parts. The first is that we definitely shouldn't leave it up to the nonprofits to be responsible kind of for giving back. I really believe the opposite. I think the for-profits are the organizations that need to pave the way for a new kind of giving, engaging a completely new consumer set and a target audience that could be interested in giving back and perhaps becoming dedicated and more dedicated to these nonprofits as they become more established in their own careers. So connecting this direct relationship between the donor, the nonprofit, that's facilitated by the for-profit, which is exactly what Lemonade does. If you compare Lemonade giving trends to US giving trends, I think it's, you know, so fascinating to see that causes that you think are popular are actually neglected, but we're able to rebalance that in our give back and restore that kind of um, unfairness that we might see with these popular causes. You mentioned the environment and climate change. Well, nearly 15% of our give back goes to environmental causes. But if you look at the US giving trends overall, it stands around 3%. So there's quite a disparity between what we might see in the news as being really popular, actually where the money is getting funneled and where the money is actually ending up. So I would say we really do have a responsibility as for profits to make sure that the money is getting um, in the right hands and to the right places. And I think we're at a really exciting turning point where for profits, because of especially because of the B Corp, starting to resemble not necessarily a non-profit because we're still driven by profit and business-minded and you can't disentangle that, but we're driven also by social good and have impact at our core, which is very much a new form of capitalism that's very exciting to be a part. Absolutely. And this reminds me of an interview which I did a few weeks ago and the interviewer said that they want to see a future where all corporations are B Corps. Definitely. I would absolutely love that. <laughs> I think all corporations should be B Corps. I think it's really the best way to do business nowadays. Yeah. So coming back to your day-to-day -day job, how do you manage pressure and overwhelm? How do I manage pressure? That's a good question. I think it's becoming increasingly relevant in, uh, in this day and age and COVID. Travel is more restricted. And so I think it's important to be open about the fact that everyone is feeling more overwhelmed and there's a lot more pressure. I'm navigating like a long distance relationship in the time of COVID, which is not an easy thing to do. So I would say that just reminding yourself that everybody is going through it and it's okay. It's okay to feel pressure and overwhelmed, especially in periods of, you know, unrest and change. 
But I think that if you have a job that you're passionate about and that you're focused on, it really helps to calm the nerves and um, decrease some of that intense pressure because that you're going in the right direction. And this role or the sector that you've landed in is actually where you want to be. So yeah, it might be pressurizing, but it's pressure that's worth. Thank you. This reminds me, I, th- I think I read this quote somewhere that pressure is a privilege. And yeah. especially when you're doing what you're passionate about, I think even if the journey is pressure, it, it is all worth it in the end. I would really agree with that. I think there's a correlation between pressure and actually the idea of really caring about something. So I think getting that balance right is really important. Thank you. And as you talked about caring about something, is there something which you, which you care about and you have dreamed of doing for a long time, but you haven't done it yet? I think there's a few things that I definitely really um, care about and that I would love to be able to focus more on. I haven't really stayed connected to the breast cancer awareness movement. And as I um, become older and grow closer to the age where it's increasingly relevant, I would love to be able to kind of touch back in with that movement. But the beautiful thing about Lemonade is that we're able to support such a diverse range of courses from very small nonprofits to very large organizations like Charity Water, ACLU, Direct Relief. So I do feel like I get quite a range of things to be passionate about in my day-to-day job, which I'm very grateful for. Since you talked about being grateful for, what else do you, do you have in your life that you feel the most grateful for? In a professional sense? Yeah, I, th- I think in the context of leadership or in the context of, of the work that you're doing. I think the thing that I'm most grateful for is definitely the team that I'm surrounded by because social impact can be quite an isolating space. Often often there's only Mm -hmm. one person in the team and, and I lead that part of our product and part of our company. But because the give back is so inbuilt in the organization and what we do, everyone is passionate about it. So I feel super grateful that I work somewhere that Everybody really cares about impact and it's not just something that I look after on the side and people might engage with once a year and see as tokenistic CSR. Rather, it's something that everybody in the company feels super excited about. There's such a buzz around it. It's a key reason why people come to work. Yeah, I would say that I feel super grateful to be surrounded by that kind of community. Thank you. As you have worked in different sectors, can you share a person or, or somebody who has had a big influence on your leadership? And is there any particular event which you can remember and, and share with our audience? I think the person who's probably had the greatest impact on me would be my the VP of comms, who's the current leader of our team at Lemonade. Her name is Abby. And the first time that we connected, we spoke about how we could integrate the impact role more, more defined and more clearly at Lemonade. And I was just super inspired to meet someone who had taken such a leap in their career, especially as a woman in tech. I think it was just very inspiring for me to find that space. And she continues to be such a source of inspiration for me, the way that she talks about transparency and ethics and is constantly thinking and making sure that Lemonade is on the right side of history for lack of a I have a better cliche. I would say that she, she really is a, a source of inspiration for me. And our first meeting was really what pivoted me away from the nonprofit world and to the for-profit world, which is the move I'm most fortunate for. Is, is there a particular belief about leadership that you have come to change your view over time? 
Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting about the company that I work at now is that leadership is very much not removed from day-to-day decisions. You seem to have a lot of interaction with leadership, not that it's a flat organization, but there is a lot more kind of back and forth. And regardless of your age or your experience, you're still able to really make an impact in the company. So I think that's something that I would really take on is to not look at the stereotypical factors that might define someone's success but perhaps look at their day-to-day and what really is pushing them forward as a person and how to draw on that and make them the best employee that they can be. Thank you. I think what I I take away from that is not just uh, the value of transparency, but also giving people autonomy over the work that they do and an openness to express their opinions, even if the challenge or what the leadership thinks it is. Definitely. I think that's so important, especially in the last few years when we've seen racial justice movements emerging and unrest perhaps across different companies about how leaderships are responding. I think it's really important to make sure that you work at an organization where you feel comfortable expressing your voice and that you actually feel heard. So I I completely agree with that. Yes, I think expressing your voice is like a very good uh, synonym for leadership, which I sometimes use. Yeah, thank you. So if, if I zoom out and, and take you into the future, right? What what does a successful and purposeful future look like? Right now, I envision my future very much at Lemonade, just continuing to build our impact program and watch it grow. The give back really grows with Lemonade. Our 2021 give back was 104% higher than 2020, 4,000% higher than 2017. We're growing, especially in the causes that we align ourselves for. So it's very clear now to see what we stand for. I think we've donated nearly $500,000 to climate organizations since 2017. And um, we've remained committed to platforming racial justice. We've donated multiple 100,000 donations to the ACLU, funding their criminal justice projects. And that funding continues. So I think I would really love to just keep building the impact program, pushing it forward, making it even clearer to our policyholders what we stand for as an organization and just continuing to see that incredible growth that we've seen with our give back. Thank you. It, it looks like you are what you're doing right now is itself uh, very purposeful for you. And it uh, to me, it seems like a lot of impact and a lot of success already. I hope, I hope so. Thank you. Is there something which people misunderstand about you? Misunderstand about me? That's a really good question. I think that, I think it's something I would probably need to think about. I'm not sure. I, I, I pride myself on being quite clear and open, but if I'm not, then that's something I should definitely change. <laughs> so I hope that there's limited misunderstandings but yeah it's a really good question and i will think of that a good answer for that in the future yeah and and since you mentioned about change is there any quality or skill or ability that you would like to yeah i think confidence being more confident and self-assured and where i am i think when you come to a leadership role at a younger age then Everybody struggles with this kind of imposter syndrome and that's something that I definitely feel. There's so definitely more confidence in, in, you know, my abilities and asking for what I, I want and deserve and growing, um, growing my role accordingly, I think is something that everyone should aspire to and achieve. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And it's, it's quite ironical because I can share my point of view when I, when I look at your LinkedIn profile and when I invited you for this interview, I, I, it, the profile was like somebody who is already 
tasted success, somebody who has started multiple initiatives in the past, somebody who looks very confident. And thank you for opening up that, how that imposter syndrome plays up. Yeah, definitely. I think so many people appear confident and there's really always something going on behind closed doors. So I think everyone should be more open about how they're really feeling. And then we live in a much more transparent environment. <laughs> yeah. And, and I work with, uh, with a lot of senior leaders. And there's one thing which I'm discovering is that like, the, the more successful you get, the imposter syndrome never goes away. In fact, it uh, like continues to get stronger. And, and what, what I am learning is that I think it's a good sign that you, you are growing uh, as long as you does not let it uh, stop you from moving forward. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good sign that you're doing something which is beyond your grasp and we are dreaming big. So for me, it's always a, a good sign that uh, the imposter syndrome is there. It's not the truth. It's, it's basically just a lie, but, uh, but just having it there tells you that you're dreaming big, you're living uh, a, a life that you can be proud of. Definitely. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and just another side note on confidence, uh, since you men mentioned that, I think uh, one thing which I'm, I'm realizing, so I, I started a, a project uh, to understand confidence and courage because I have uh, said to myself that I did not have confidence and I did not have courage for a long time. Right. Uh, and I, in this year, I, I must have interviewed around 50 to 100, 100 leaders uh, around confidence. And what I am discovering is that confidence is, is not a requirement. It's an outcome of what you do. And then if you do anything for, for a repeated period of time, confidence is what you get out of it. And it's not something which is a prerequisite for, for doing something. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It's just a chicken and the egg. Do you need confidence in order to achieve something or can you get confidence from what you've just achieved? Yes, thank you. So before before we wrap up, is, is there a particular advice you would give someone who has a big dream and something which they are very passionate about? But it has been on hold for... Just go for it. I really embarrassed myself, cold emailing, LinkedIn messaging, looking for my dream job. And uh, maybe it was a bit cringy at the time, but I don't regret it at all. So I think that definitely go for it. I, I, I really think it's a good thing to do. Wonderful. Such a simple answer, yet it, I think it packed uh, so much uh, pearls of wisdom. I think just going for it and, and the way you say... Like you, you didn't wait for readiness and you didn't wait for something to happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think one, one thing which I always remember is that if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. And what's the, what's the worst that, that you can. Uh, so anybody who listens to this podcast, either now or later, where can they find out uh, more about you and connect with you? Um, on LinkedIn, I'm very open to people reaching out and definitely check out Lemonade and the Lemonade Give Back because that's the, the best uh, reflection, I hope, of me and what we stand for as a company. So, yeah, definitely do check us out. Thank you. Thank you, Nina, for this for the short but uh, I think very insightful interview. And uh, I think the lessons which you have shared from your journey would be meaningful for other listeners as well. Thank you for the same. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself but also for those around you. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you 
to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. I say what might be uncomfortable for me to say or for you to hear, to show you that all our dreams which have been on hold are within our grasp. If you like the sound of it, do not forget to leave a rating. I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter at deployyourself.com slash newsletter. You can also reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook to share any other comment or feedback. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.